<laughs> I want to start out this morning by asking you a couple of questions, if I may. I want to pick your brains. First question, what's in a legacy? Any idea what's in a legacy? I think there's a car called a legacy. You could say there's a family in a legacy, or you could say there's legacy in a family. But maybe in order to answer the first question, well, we should answer the second question first. And the second question is, what is a legacy? What's a legacy? You can answer it. What do you think? What's, what's your thought on a legacy? Okay, what you leave behind to your family. The actual definition of legacy is an amount of money or property left to someone in a will. But that's not the legacy I want to talk to you about today, and here's why. My father passed away. Dylan was about four years old, so almost ten years ago, I guess. Um, he had an insurance policy, life insurance policy, and that was good. Wasn't a bad thing. But he also had a lot of other things that he left behind. His legacy um, is actually in the way that he raised us. And he didn't raise us in a Christian home. He, he raised us differently than that. It wasn't until later that I found the joy of being involved in a Christian family like you all. But one of the things that my dad left me, and... I don't get to show this off very often, and it's not even allowed in my house. It has to stay in my garage. Is this right here? This is the legacy that my father left me. Now you may think, "Ooh, what is that?" And and if you really want to see it, you can come up afterwards, and and I will show it to you. You can look at it. Try not to disturb it too much. But what is in this pickle jar? Is a snake. He is well-preserved in alcohol because that's what my dad had when they found this snake. But it's not just any snake. This is a water snake who was trying to get himself a meal. The meal is a mussel, a freshwater mussel. And the snake was trying to eat the mussel, but the mussel closed itself down on the top part of the snake's head. And so my dad and a couple of my cousins saw this happening, and my dad being the curator of all things weird that he is, said, man, we got to get that. And the snake died, so they scooped it up, put it in this jug, and filled it with like a couple bottles of just rubbing alcohol. And that's, it's still fairly well preserved. So if you're really enamored by stuff like that, I tried to sell it to Ripley's, but they said they believed me and keep it. Uh, that's, that's what he left behind for me. That's, I'm going to cover that back up because I don't want to disturb you guys too much. Uh, that's, that's what he left me. That was the legacy, if you will. Property left behind. As we cleaned up his stuff, he actually had that in his house, which was it's amazing. The things he left behind. I want to share with you, though, today a secret from God's Word. And I want you to know this secret. And if you're not doing it, at this point, I want you to begin living out this secret. It's the secret of a Christian legacy. It's a secret that has been kept far too good, in my opinion. For today's secret, I have a different definition. And when I say the word legacy, I don't want you to think about 
the physical things, the money or the property that is left to someone in their will. When I, think, when I say legacy, I want you to think about this. A good thing. Don't think about snakes in a jar handed down. I want you to think about a good thing that has been handed down. A good thing that has been passed from one generation to another. Will you pray with me? Father God, we come here this morning. We open up your word, talk about legacy, to talk about what it is as Christians we are called to do, to leave behind, if you will. I pray once again, Lord, that we will leave here differently than how we've come. That we won't just hear your word, but we will have a desire to be doers of your word. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. The Bible tells us a few things about legacy, about what we can leave behind. Proverbs 22 is, is a great um, chapter when we look at legacy. In short, the Bible tells us we should train up a child in the way they should go. Why would Solomon pass this kind of wisdom on? I think it's because he knew something about children. He knew that children are the heirs of our past. They're the happiness of the present, and they are the hope of the future. Children are our legacy. Keep that in mind as we read through Proverbs 22, starting with verse 1. A good name is to be more desired than great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. As I read through these, I kept thinking, nobody talks like this anymore. Nobody, nobody really buys into this anymore. The next one, the rich and the poor have a common bond. The Lord is the maker of them all. The prudent sees the evil and hides himself, but the, the naive go on and are punished for it. The reward of humility and fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. He who guards himself will be far from them. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. He who sows iniquity will reap vanity, and the rod of his fury will perish. He who is generous will be blessed, for he gives some of his food to the poor. Drive out the scoffer, and contention will go out. Even strife and dishonor will cease. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious, the king is his friend. The eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge, but he overthrows the words of the treacherous man. This is one of my favorites, verse 13. The sluggard says, there is a lion outside. I will be killed in the streets. The mouth of an adulteress is a deep pit. He who is cursed of the Lord will fall into it. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. And all the parents said, Amen. There's a legacy. He who oppresses the poor to make more for himself or who gives to the rich will only come to poverty. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your mind to my knowledge. For it will be pleasant if you keep them within you that they may be ready on your lips so that your trust may be in the Lord. I have taught you today, even you, have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and knowledge to make you know the certainty of the words of truth that you may correctly answer him who sent you? 
Do not rob the poor because he is poor or crush the afflicted at the gate. For the Lord will plead their case and take the life of those who rob them. Do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. Do not be among those who give pledges among those who become guarantors for debt. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should he take your bed from under you? Do not move the ancient boundary which your fathers have set. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. All of the things that I just read to you, all of this in the chapter of Proverbs is good counsel on legacy. All of it are things that you can go back and look at. And actually, as a litmus test, you can kind of measure your life. Am I doing these things? Have I, have I done these things? Have I instilled these things in my children? But I want to focus on verse 6. The reasons for training up a child. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child. Why should we train up our kids? Do you know, this is an ugly thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyways, human beings are the most helpless species on the planet. As babies. Other species, a horse, when it's born, will, will stand up within minutes. A cow will stand up within minutes. A, a monkey, within days of being old, swinging from tree to tree. It's amazing. Other animals, other species, left alone at birth, <laughs> survive and thrive. Oh, but not humans. It's true. The reality is that our kids, when they're born, our kid, when we're born, we're helpless. We, we can't even get to the edge of the water. I don't know if you've ever seen the little sea turtles, but man, they go at it. We can't do anything but lay there and cry. Think about that. Why should we train up our children? Well, because when we're born, we're helpless. We're needy. We're de- our children are dependent on us. When you were a baby, all seven pounds, three ounces, 22 and a half inches long, bundle of joy, you were helpless. You were completely dependent on whoever was willing to pick you up, change your diety, give you a bottle, give you a, a binky, give you your blanket. You were completely dependent on whoever was willing to give you those things. There was no way you were going to do it on your own. Our children are dependent upon us. That's one of the reasons we should train them up. Whether you want to whether you want to do it or not, you need to understand this. You will or you are training your children up in something. You're either training them up in the world or you're training them up in Christ. I told you I was trained up in the world. My father was a womanizer. He did not have a respect, a healthy respect for women. There were some issues. I always say my family put the fun in dysfunctional. <laughs> that, was, that was my coping mechanism right there. Christmas was different growing up. Things, things happened at a different level at my house that I thought that was my reality. That was our norm. 
And it wasn't until years later when I realized it wasn't, my norm was not really normal. And whether you want to admit it or not, you either train your children up in something, you train them up in the world, you train them up in Christ. But when you train up your children in the world, I want you to know it messes with their understanding of how things should work. It messes with your understanding of how relationships should be, whether they're working relationships or friendships or dating relationships or marriage and family. When you train up your children in the world, it skews their understanding of how they should treat other people. And you see, it's on us Christians to raise our children by training them up with an understanding of God's love, God's mercy, His compassion, grace, and to know that they should strive to be a reflection of Christ. We should train up our children to respect others, to repent often, and to reflect Christ. And those are three things that you can write down. And I'm going to go a little deeper into that. I'm going to start off with training up our children to respect others. Matthew 22, verse 36 through 40 says this, Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law, or in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40. On these two commands, excuse me, on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Respect others. We should raise our children up to respect others. Right there. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Very few people actually don't like themselves. And if they do, it has to do with how they were raised, not raised up in Christ. But that's a whole different story. Uh, We need to respect others. We also need to repent often. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. If we are training our children to do that, if we are training up our children to love God with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul, then we're going to have a desire to follow Him, to be close to Him. And when we mess up, we're going to have a desire to repent. When we train up our children to be respectful of others and, and to repent and to continue to build that relationship with God, they will naturally begin to reflect Christ. It will be evident in the way that they speak to you. It will be evident in the way they speak to others. It will be evident in the way that they respond to their teacher and the way that they respond to people of authority. You will see the fruit of training up your child in the way they should go by the way that he treats other people in his life or her life. But like any good process, there are some rules for training. How we should train up a child and the way he should go. And I've come up with some rules for engagement for you on this, in case you're wondering. First off, training a child should be an upward experience. Now you may be thinking, what do you mean it's an upward experience? Well, it's not a belittling experience for the younglings. Some things we need to understand about training up our kids is that we should build them up as we train them, not break them down. Don't think for a second that by breaking a child's spirit, if you will, that you are preparing to train them up. I, Again, I love my father, but he was kind of a ready, fire, aim person when it came to discipline. There, there's actually a story, and he got it from my grandfather. We were all in the car. My grandmother was driving. My grandfather was in the passenger seat, and it was my, there was all four cousins. You could do this back in the, the mid-70s. All four of us cousins were in the second seat in the station wagon. And the way that it set out, it was my cousin Kelly, and then it was myself, and then my sister and my cousin Billy. Well, my sister had this pet garden snake that she had caught. 
and her and Billy were messing with it in the car. We're driving from like Duggar to Indianapolis, which is a couple hour trip. It's not that far. And Billy and my sister are making this snake mad. And, and Billy, the snake was kind of biting at him. He only wasn't very big. And Billy was like, let's get it to bite Grandpa on the ear. <laughs> so my sister's holding this little snake. And my cousin Billy is flipping this thing. Peter would be angry at you laughing at this story. And this snake is getting angry. And they put it up by my grandpa's ear, and it clamps down on his ear. All right? And he grabs the snake. He's yanking on it, yanking on it. My grandma's yelling at us, right? They're driving down the road, and, and he's yelling and screaming and, and probably cussing. And he finally he yanks the snake off. His ear's bleeding. He rolls down, his, rolls down the window. That's old school right there. He had to roll down the window. He just pushed the buddy, rolled over, throws the snake out the window. My sister starts crying because he just threw her snake out the window. He turns around, he backhands me. <laughs> and now I'm crying. That is not how you raise up a child in the way they should go. I didn't even do anything wrong. I was hurt. I was angry. I was crushed. He never said I'm sorry. <laughs> He was, he was justified. I mean, I get it. They thought it was funny. I was petrified. It's not funny. Shame on you for laughing. You can't, break, you can't break a kid down in order to build them up. They're not horses. You, don't, you, don't break, you break a horse so they understand that you, you're dominant. But even that needs to be done in love. You can't, you can't break a horse by jerking on the chain. You break a horse by building a relationship with them. You break a horse, and I don't like the word break when it comes to training animals, but that's what they call it. You, you do that by building trust, by building relationship, and even they can understand it. And so if we can be loving to our pets, we, we also need to be loving to our children as well. We need to train them up, not by breaking them down. When we have camp, we get together and we have camp, one of the things as a dean, I get all the adult sponsors, anybody that's helping that's not a camper, I tell them there's, there's one main rule for the week. Nobody yells at any kid for anything. Because we don't know where that kid came from. But I know that a lot of kids live in an environment where yelling is the first thing that happens. And that's our rule at camp is nobody gets yelled at out of it. Now, I'll, I'll come in the room and say, hey, everybody, gather around. Or, or I'll get loud because that's my gift. But we don't, we don't yell. Something happens. We take it down a notch, we sit down, we figure out why. It's the same thing. We don't, want to, we don't need to break someone's spirit to train them up. Don't break them down. Build them up. Using the Word of God, we need to build them up. I love First and Second Timothy as an example of this. We talked about it in, in Sunday school class a little bit. Paul starts this church in a place called Ephesus, and then he leaves. Timothy is, is who follows. And Paul writes to Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3, 12-17, he says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Here comes, the, here comes the building up. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And he goes on and he says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every 
good work. Paul's telling Timothy. He was able to encourage him with the words because Timothy's family raised him up in the way he should go. And Paul's encouraging him. He's he's reminding him that from childhood, he had been taught God's word. And then verses 16 and 17, he says, not only that, but remember, Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Paul encouraged Timothy. He showed him value. He showed him his worth. And our sons and our daughters need to know their worth in our eyes. Uh, Maybe for you it's your grandson or granddaughter, or maybe it's your, your niece or nephew. But the children who are in your life need to know their worth. They need to know that as relatives, as people in their life, we value them. Part of that understanding is knowing that it's okay to make mistakes. So that's what training is, after all. It's train up a child in the way they should go. First three or four weeks of of a new job, what do you get to say when you mess up? Oh, new guy blunder, and everybody laughs. Oh, no big deal. We're training. I'm still figuring it out. They need to know it's okay to make mistakes. They need to know that around you is a safe place to learn from mistakes. We need to show our children their worth. We need to show them that, and when, when we show them their worth, they will begin to embrace their legacy. I want to show you some scriptures. I'm, I'm going to make some references to some scriptures that you guys can write down and go read some more later. But these are scriptures that should encourage us to then encourage our children. Here, stay with me. Genesis one twenty seven says that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We need to remember this verse also applies to our kids too. All right? When we look at them, we need to remind ourselves that they too were made in the image of God. They've been given to us as a gift and we need to train them up accordingly. Jeremiah 29, 11. God says this directly to Jeremiah, but I think it's worth noting that God expects great things out of us just like he did Jeremiah. He says to Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have made for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and hope. Now, that's not a wellness and prosperity gospel that I'm throwing out there. I'm just telling you, God knows those things for us too. He knows what you have been created for. It's to be a reflection of his son. John 3.16, everybody knows this, or most people do. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I don't know about you, but sometimes I see things differently, and when I read something like John 3.16, I think, if God loved me enough to do that, then the very least I can do as a parent is raise up my child to understand that kind of love and to train him to be a reflection of that love. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why would I include this in a verse in a spot about the rules for training up a child in the way they should go? Because we need to remember that kids are going to do silly things. Just as they grow out of one awkward stage of life, they enter right into another one, and it's almost nonstop until they're 30. It's crazy. Some of you are like 29 going, wait a minute. It's true. I speak truth. It's the same thing with us and with sin. God demonstrated his love for us. While we're still sinning, God sent Christ to die for us. 
while we were in the, the heat of our mistakes, he sent Christ to die for us. It's the same thing. Train up a child. Do it with patience. Do it with humility. And remember, just like that, we need to demonstrate our love for them. How are you demonstrating love to the children that are in your life? Are you lording over them? Don't do this. Don't touch this. Don't do this. I think about this verse. I think about in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the kids get shipped off to live with the professor in, during the war in London, and, and the lady that ran the house was Mrs. McCready, and they called her like weird names and stuff, but that was her thing. She would follow them around. Don't touch that. Don't open that window. Don't do this. Don't do that. She wasn't training these children up. She was lording over them. Are you training your children up like that or are you loving them? Are you, are you giving them a safe place to make mistakes? Are you giving them a place to continue to grow and be nurtured? I, I want to paraphrase this next reference, but uh, I want to encourage you. Like I said, I hope you're writing these down. You're going to read them for yourself. But the next one is Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 10. And there's a lot to it. But I'm going to kind of condense it down. Being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Let me be clear. This is part of a letter that Paul wrote specifically to the church in Ephesus. He did not write, Dear John, and, and go into this. But this is part of a letter that was written to the church in Ephesus. But it's definitely applicable to us and to how we're raising our families. We need to be reminded, moms, dads, grandparents, aunts, uncles, adult people in the lives that are interacting with children, we are God's workmanship. We are created in his image to do good works. As Christians, it's on us to help raise our children to also do good works. As a family, you can go out and do good works together right now. Not right this second, but you can do good works here at HCC. You can go to the downtown rescue mission. I made an announcement about that. You don't have to be 20 to go down there. Take your whole family, go down and serve. You can go as a family, and do works together, good works at Choose Life or with Kids to Love or at Way FM. There's always something. There, there's some camp service opportunities that are coming up soon. There's always something we can do as good works as a family in our church, in our community, in their school, maybe even at your job. If those verses don't show you how much God values us, and give you some encouragement to show your family their worth. I really don't know what will, but I'm going to keep trying. When we apply these reasons for training up our children in the Lord, when we apply the rules for training them, we're going to see the results of training them as they grow older. These results of training up a child in the way they, are go, they should go are simple. Scripture tells us when he is older, he will not depart from it. I believe that the foundation of our individual legacy is set up when we're young. And I've spent the last 20 years of life deconstructing the foundation that I started on to replace it with a foundation of Christ. What foundation are you building your children on? How are you setting up your children for the success of their legacy? What will your legacy be? In Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 13, and again, I'm going to paraphrase this. 
we are told to look to Jesus as the example. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and sin and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And then we get this great example in Hebrews of a father's discipline. He says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. See, part of training up your child is discipline. Nobody likes to talk about the D word. But it's part of it. Do not faint when you are reproved by the Lord. The Lord disciplines those that he loves. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Are you training up your children with humility so that they will also be exalted? I asked you a question at the beginning of this message. What's in a legacy? You see, in the earthly legacy that we leave behind to our children and our children's children, the financial stuff, the, the money, the property, those things, the car, whatever, it all adds up to about the same amount of value as a, a snake in a jar that was killed by a freshwater mussel. The amount of money you have that you leave behind, the property... All of that stuff has no eternal value. So it's a grim reminder of maybe what was. But if you want to leave behind a real legacy, you train up your children to understand the things I've shared with you from God's Word this morning. Train them up to understand God's grace. Train them up to understand God's mercy. Train them, under, train them up to understand God's unconditional love that He has for us like Larry talked about in a communion meditation this morning. No matter who you are, no matter how you were raised, God loved you so much that He sent His only Son to die for you, for your sins. They are covered on the cross. I guess there was a condition after all to that unconditional love. The condition is the price of sin. The price of sin is death. And it had to be paid and Jesus came and paid it for you and for me. And now it's on us to raise up our children, our families, in a way that will continue the Christian legacy. You see, God has passed down to us the legacy of forgiveness, of grace, of mercy, of love. The question we need to ask as we come to our response time today is, what are you prepared to do with this legacy that you have been given? Christ rose from the dead. He ascended back into heaven. But he left us with something to do. In a nutshell, it's to be a reflection of him. Will you stand and as we sing our response song this morning, think about what it is you need to do so that you can continue that Christian legacy that Christ left for you and respond to God's word accordingly. It's been great to be here with you all this morning, but we're not quite done yet. We come here every Sunday and we worship through songs and communion and offering, hearing the Word of God read, and sometimes even through illustrative things like paintings. And some of you have asked me, what in the world is going on with that painting every Sunday? It's to be revealed, and I don't want you to think 
that I don't know what's there, but there's some cool things happening up there. And by the time we get to the end of the month, if you stay with us, you're going to be like, oh, that's so cool. It really is. What's happening in that painting ultimately is what we should be. It's, it's a small vision, if you will, of the community that we should be both inside this building and outside of this building. And so I want you to do something different this week and for the next two weeks. I want you to pray. Pray for the artist. Pray for the team of people. And there, there's more than just one that, that pitched this all around. And, and pray for those people and how it's going to come out because we start out with these things in a little room and we talk about stuff. And we go, oh, that's a great idea. And then we turn it loose and really cool things are coming out of it. But, but keep with us for the next... See, what I'm doing is I'm hooking you in for the next two Sundays. <laughs> all right? But I want you to, to pay attention to that. It's not the reason we come, but there are many different ways to proclaim the message that we share. And it's the gospel message, and it's a good message because Christ loves us just that much. And, it, and, and when we come together as we worship in these different ways, we need to know that we're family. As we train up, it's not just your birth child, it's, it's the children in your life. I want to be very clear about that. Like I mentioned earlier, if you're an aunt, an uncle, a cousin, whatever, if you're responsible, if you're impacting someone younger than you, you get to be a part of training up that child. And that's an important task that God has given to Christian men and women across the world. But now it is time to go. And just in case you're wondering what your legacy is, your legacy is that you are a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's the very best legacy you will ever get. So go out and live your life like you believe your legacy. Your reward is eternal. Pass that knowledge on, not just to your kids, not just to your grandkids, but to their friends and to the people that you come in contact with, no matter where it may be. Will you sing this last song with us?